0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. This morning, I get to continue our Essentials series. This is week two. Last week, Pastor Tony kicked it off. And if you remember, he was speaking about the difference between the goal... And the prize. And if you remember, we talked about Ephesians 1.17 and that the goal is to know him better. You see, the prize, the prize is the reward for what happens after you've got your goal. But if we make if we if we focus on the prize, we miss the goal, and in missing the goal, we miss the prize as well even though it might have been our focus. And so, church, today, as we continue on in our essential series, just keep in the forefront of your mind that this is all about knowing him better because that is the goal. And the amazing thing is, is that as a goal, despite our circumstances, we can keep the same goal. I don't know what you're facing at the moment. I don't know what you're going through. But Jesus does. And if we keep our goal as knowing him better, despite our circumstance, we can keep the same goal. I'm going to start this morning with a community service announcement. For all all the men out there, Valentine's Day is in two days' time. Guys, you've been warned. Two days, Valentine's Day. Now, I know for most of us men, that means we've got a day and a half before we even need to think about it. But right now, there's no excuse. You see, on Valentine's Day, there is going to be declarations and expressions of love. Some of those declarations are going to be big. Some people are going to take out billboards declaring their undying love for someone. Some people are going to put sign writing or sky writing up declaring their love. Some people are going to propose on Tuesday. But there's also going to be small expressions of love. There's going to be chocolates given. There's going to be meals had. There's going to be flowers. But have you ever stopped to think, why do we do this? Now, for some, maybe a little bit more cynical, they would say, oh, look, it's just so that the the card makers can sell more cards and that the chocolatiers can sell more chocolates. And there's a truth to that. But the reality is, is that there's something in us There's something innate in us that wants to love and be loved in return. It's just there. And when we find it, we know it's special. And we want to shout it from the rooftops. We want to let everyone know about this person who's so amazing. You see... I know that we're not going to take out or there's not going to be billboards taking out taken out expressing love for a car. I'm not going to go and say, "Oh, Ferrari, I love you." I'm not going to skywrite, "Oh, 5 Maxwell Road, you are the best building ever." It's weird, right? Because there's nothing quite like the heart connection that we have with another person. We know it's special. And because it's special, we want to celebrate it. But I've got to be honest with you. Over the years, I've seen a number of relationships that start with grandiose declarations of love that over time... Complacency and familiarity have crept in. That over time, priorities have changed, communication has degraded, and the relationship has broken down. You see, the initial expression of love, that initial declaration, it came from the heart. But over time, our relationships can move to our head. And our relationships become more about schedules and kids and shopping and stuff. And when we lose that heart connection in our relationships, we know that we're on a slippery slope. Now, if I'm honest, the reality is is that I've seen the same thing in church. I've seen people find Jesus and there's declarations and expressions of love and Jesus, I'll do anything for you. I'll, we'll go to the nations. Yeah. Yeah. And yet over time, if the heart connection is lost, if it, comes, it becomes all about our head, our communication breaks down. Our relationships degrade and it becomes too hard to get out of bed to go to church, let alone go to the nations. You see, relationships start in the heart, all of them. And it's the heart connection that needs to be prioritised, whether it's amongst us or whether it's. With God, it's the heart connection. And you see, with our relationships, in a sense, it's easier because the person we're relating to is right there. We see them. They're physically and tangibly present. And yet, with God, he's not physically, visibly, tangibly present with us. And so we need to make sure that it's this heart connection that gets prioritised. And the reality is, is that we know how to do it. We know that to maintain a heart connection, it's all about spending time. It's all about open and honest communication. It's all about knowing someone, not out of our head, out of our heart. It's the heart connection that we need to prioritise. To be honest with you, this is why, for me, I love the Bible. You see, I know to stay in love with my wife, I need to prioritise a heart connection, To stay in love with Jesus, I need to prioritise a heart connection. And while Jesus isn't physically and tangibly here, he left us this. He left us his word so that we can spend time with him. So that we can use this to know him. We can use this to keep our heart connection. Why I love reading the Bible? Because the Bible reveals three things about God. It reveals his words. It reveals his will. And it reveals his ways. And they're the three things that we're going to look at this morning. So let's start with God's word. Over the holidays... My family went away over to Perth. We had a great time, thanks for asking. (laughs) We spent lots of time at the beach and the pool and doing nothing. But our family is a reading family. I think in the first two weeks of my holidays, I read four novels. I think that my wife read about six. I think my daughter probably read about eight. And the boys probably read a couple of books between them. You see, we're a reading family because we find it just relaxes us. And to be honest with you, and you know this, not all books are created equal. Some of those books that we read, I've read once, that's it. I won't be reading it again. For some of those books, it was difficult to even get through it the first time. I was reading this book going, I don't know but there's something in me that once I start something, I've got to finish it regardless of how bad it is. And so I finished it anyway and was equally disappointed, but I finished it and moved on to the next one. You see, not all books are created equal. And amongst books, this one, the Bible is unique. There is nothing like the Word of God. Because it's not just one book, but it's actually 66 books written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years. And in that, it's completely consistent. There's no error. There's no issue. Think about that for a moment. Put 40 of your closest friends in a room. How much do they agree on? And yet... 40 different authors over 1,500 years brought us something that's amazing, something that's completely unique. This book, inspired by the Holy Spirit, have you stopped to think, what does that mean, written by 40 people? But I imagine the Holy Spirit there Nudging. Hey, don't forget to put that story in. Hey, don't forget about that reaction to Jesus' words. Hey, hey, bring this one in together. This book has been burnt almost to the point of extinction. It has been banned. It has been mocked. It's been held up to ridicule, and yet it still stands. Not only as the best-selling book of all time. But it stands as having the words of God himself written and presented to us. And not just a few quotes, whole sermons of Jesus recorded. There's no other book like it. It's the only secure foundation that we can build our lives on. Now, look, this morning, there's lots that I could say about that. There's lots that I could say about how we know that what we've got now was what was originally written. But I'm going to encourage you, church, please do not take my word for it. You see, the Bible will stand up to any criticism. The Bible will stand up to any analysis. And if you have questions, don't take my word for it. Do the research. I would encourage you, if you have questions about the validity of the Bible, have a look at the works of a guy by the name of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is an American author. He was trained in journalism and law. Wow, there you go. There's a combination for you journalism and law. He worked for a variety of different newspapers. He was an atheist. He believed there was no God. And then his wife went to church. And his wife found Jesus. And his wife became a Christian. And that's just rude. So Lee Strobel decided that he would investigate the claims of Jesus, that he would investigate Christianity because he wanted to prove his wife wrong. Uh, Side note, men, if you're going to do something with the express purpose of proving your wife wrong... You're on shaky ground. (laughs) The reality is, is that what Lee Strobel found was that he couldn't discredit the Bible. He couldn't discredit what his wife had discovered. And so if you're in that position where you can't discredit it but you don't believe it, you have two choices. You bury it and run, or you have to take it at face value. And that's what Lee Strobel did. And he's written numerous books, The Case for Christ, The Case for the Resurrection, The Case for Easter. And let me encourage you, it's a great place to start if you're not sure. The Bible reveals God's Word. And it does it because it reveals God himself. If I just ask you, just for a moment, just think about everything you know about God. And from that, subtract everything you learnt from the Bible, either directly by reading it or indirectly from someone sharing it with you. You're left with a very small amount of knowledge. See, in Romans one twenty. it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You see, there's this general revelation. Creation itself speaks of God. You look at the magnitude of our universe. You realise how big it is, how much stuff is in it. And it's there to point us to a God who is amazing, a God who is immense, a God who is infinite. And we look at the diversity of the plants and the animals and everything that we see around us, and it points to a God who is creative, and we look at the, the the order, the structure that's within that creation. And it reflects God's nature of being ordered and structured. See, creation exists for our pleasure, but it also exists to point us towards God. But in and of itself, it's really quite dissatisfying. You might have this inkling of, you know what, there must be a God. And I can see some of his nature, some of his characteristics. But but how do I get to know him? Does he want to get to know me? What am I meant to do? And that's where I'm so thankful for the Bible. I'm so thankful for the Bible because the Bible reveals God's nature to us. It tells us that he is eternal. It tells us that he is infinite. It tells us that he's omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. It tells us that he is holy. He's good. He's sovereign. He's righteous. And even in that, you go, oh, there's this God who's amazing, but it still doesn't help. Because we also need to know how God feels about us. And the Bible reveals that He loves us. The Bible reveals that He's for us. The Bible reveals that He cares for us. The Bible reveals that He wants to be intimately involved in our lives. And we start going, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. But then it goes a step beyond that. Because the Bible tells us how to relate to him. The Bible says, you know what? I might be God, but call me Father. In fact, it goes one step. It says, call me Abba, Father. It says, call me Daddy. The Bible reveals this God to come pop up in his lap, to spend time with him. The Bible says, come as a child. Nestle into his chest. Because this God wants to be experienced. This God wants to be enjoyed, not just intellectually known. The Bible reveals God's Word. The second thing the Bible does is reveal God's will. The Bible speaks to all areas of life. If you want to know about dating, it's in the Bible. You want to know about marriage, it's there. You want to know about death and dying, it's covered. It's in the Bible. You want to know about sex, it's in the Bible. You want to know about suffering, the reality of evil, work, relationships, it's all there. It's all in the Bible. And, church, let me encourage you today that whatever you're facing, go to the Bible first. Get God's perspective on what you're facing and allow His perspective to become your perspective. During the holidays, Kathy and I went to IKEA, we bought a desk desk came in two big packets all the pieces were there all the ingredients were there and in one of the packets was this and that picture on the front that is Ikea's will for my desk (laughs) as we walked around Ikea Kathy saw the desk she wanted and she said yep that's it now, more than Ikea's will, this picture is actually Kathy's will for the desk as well. Because if I'm honest with you, Ikea didn't call me up a week later saying, hey, how you going with that desk? <laughs> it's my will, it's Ikea's will for the desk to be done. They didn't care that the desk sat in the shed for a week But I knew Ikea's will for the desk. I knew Kathy's will for the desk. How do I know God's will for my life? Just like Ikea clearly states its will for its desk, God clearly states his will for your life in the Bible. You see, his known will is very clear. The word of God says, be holy because I am holy. Very clear. The word of God says, be compassionate, be filled with the spirit, be wise, be generous, worship him, serve him. His will for our lives is not this out there, ethereal kind of thing. It's clearly stated in the word of God. Can I just drill down on two things? First thing, it is God's clearly stated will in the Bible that everyone be saved. You see, in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, It says, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If you're in this place this morning and you don't know Jesus, that's fine. You are so welcome here because we know that you're on a journey of trying to sort out what this thing is. But know that God has a will for you and his will is that you'll be saved. And by that, we mean that you'll come to understand that Jesus himself is where we can put our trust to live this life. Now, I know for most people in this room, they would go, oh, good, it's God's will for my life. Tick, done, sorted. But there's three realities to that. There is a definite point in time when we were saved. There is a definite point in time where we said, Jesus, I need you in my life. And the Bible says that salvation comes. We were saved. But then there's this ongoing process called sanctification, this ongoing process by which we become more Christ like. And in a sense, we are continuing to be saved as we go. What are we saved from? Mostly from ourselves. Because most of the time, our ways, our thinking takes us down wrong paths. And it's by allowing the Word of God, the Bible, to speak into our situation that we can become more Christ-like. And the Bible also reveals that there will be a point in the future where we absolutely, definitely will be saved. Either when we die and go to be with Jesus or when Jesus comes back and takes us home. There is a point that we will be saved because heaven is our real home. It's God's known will that we forgive in Matthew 18 verses 21 and 22 it says then Peter came to Jesus and asked Lord how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times Jesus answered I tell you not seven times but 77 times Peter thought he was being generous. How many times should I save, Lord? Now, we've all heard the saying, three strikes, you're out. Well, Peter doubled it and had one and went to Jesus and said, hey, is seven times okay? And Jesus' response isn't about the number. Jesus' response is, do you really want to put a limit on forgiveness? Do you really want to say, here's the ceiling on forgiveness? And when I think about my life and think about what Jesus has forgiven me of, I don't want to put a ceiling on that. I know that this topic can be a difficult one. You might be sitting there now and say, forgive, forgive who? And just by the very question, there's an issue. Forgive everyone of everything. Oh, but Ash, you don't know. You don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. But Jesus does. And it's Jesus' will that we live in forgiveness. Because when we don't, we carry around a whole heap of baggage that we were never designed to carry. And in asking for forgiveness, Jesus is saying, you know what, bring that baggage to me because I'm strong enough to carry it. It's Jesus' will that we walk and that we live in forgiveness. The American author Mark Twain once said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It is those parts that I do understand. And it resonates with me. It's not the parts I don't understand that catch me out. It's the parts that I do understand but don't do that lead to my downfall. God's will is known to us. And it's known to us through the word. However, more often than not, as a pastor, if someone comes to me and says, Oh, what's God's will for my life? Their question is usually around what job should I have? Who should I marry? How many kids should we have? Where should I live? What's God's will? And they're important questions. But church, let me encourage you today, they are secondary questions. They're questions that we find the answer to while we're working out the primary question. And the primary question is, how do I know him better? And as we go to the word, as we learn to know him better, as we learn to know his will, The secondary questions are answered as we go. Sometimes there's a wrestle. But ultimately, those questions are secondary. In Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's know him better. And in knowing him better, the answers to those secondary questions will come. The third thing the Bible reveals is God's ways. Let's just come back to my Ikea desk. You see, this front page is Ikea's will for the desk. The next 43 pages is Ikea's way for the desk. Now, first of all, I'm a man. I don't need to be told. I've got all the ingredients right here. I can put this desk together myself. Who here's got confidence? that I could put this desk together myself. Um, You see, all the pieces were there. All the ingredients were there. But it's IKEA's way that led me to IKEA's will. And so I ended up with the desk that IKEA wanted for me to build... By following Ikea's way. 43 pages for a desk. 43 pages for a desk. How much is your life worth? How much is your life worth? 43 pages for a desk to get Ikea's will. And yet. The word of God, his will for our lives, his ways to reach that will. For your life, you've got all the pieces, you've got all the ingredients, but we need his ways so that we can get to his will for us. The reality is, is that this is what the Essentials series is all about. The Essentials series is all about following God's ways so that we can hit God's will for our lives. The purpose of reading the Bible is to know him better. The purpose of reading the Bible is not to get through the Bible The purpose of reading the Bible is to know him better so that we can discover his ways. So we can put all of the ingredients of our lives together in such a way that's going to meet his will for our lives. Church, can I encourage you? There's so much more I want to say. But for a moment... I just want to get very practical with us. The Bible is amazing. The Bible is God's revelation to us. The Bible is the foundation that we build our life. And I just want to take a couple of moments just to just ground this in some very practical things. What's the best Bible to read? What's the best Bible? It's the one that you read. And the reality is, is that there are a number of translations written at different times throughout centuries. Find the Bible that you connect with the most. Find the one that speaks to you the clearest and read that. I would say... Commit to a regular time of reading, a daily time of reading. You see, the reality is, is that we are all creatures of habit. Have you noticed that? When you come into church, do you sit in the same seat or the same area? Mostly. When you go shopping, do you find car parks in about the same place? Usually. Do you normally drink the same type of coffee? Yes. Yes. You see, we know that we're creatures of habit. We can use that to our advantage. Find the space and the time that works for you and commit to it daily. Have a reading plan. There are lots of options when it comes to reading plans, you can get them on your phone. There's some great apps out there that you can download. You can, if you're more of a paper kind of person, that's fine too because we have a resource centre right out there that will have devotionals in it. But have a plan as to how you're going to read. And If I can ask the band to come, one thing that I've found really helpful is in having my daily devotion use an acronym of SOAP. The S stands for scripture. Make sure that you've got it, you've got your plan, that you're getting it into you. The O stands for observation. What did you see out of that scripture? The A is for application. What I read, how does that apply to my life? What do I need to change to get my life to line up better with the will of God? And finally, the P, pray. Ask for God's wisdom. Ask for the courage to walk it out. Ask for God to continue to reveal himself to us. In conclusion, as we read our Bibles this week, let's keep in the front of our minds, it's about prioritising our heart connection. With God. As we read our Bibles this week, let's look for God's Word to us, God's will for us, and God's ways so that we might know Him better. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.